0: Welcome to the FNO InsurTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsurTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller.
1: Hey, Podcast World, welcome to another exciting, thrilling, informative, and even surprising episode of FNO InsurTech. I am not Lee Boyd. No. You're Lee Boyd. I'm Rob Beller. And I'm Lee. Hi, everybody. And uh, I'm back from my journeys.
2: Man, you took a good journey. I took Just a, big, a big old a big, journey. Big, a big old journey throughout a the big world. Big old journey.
1: Big old journey around the world, not and around the world. Give us, give us a
2: highlight. Started. Where? Give us a, a thirty-second highlight. What did you do? Uh, I,
1: I was uh, in Israel. My son's company bought a company there, so I went with him to. He had to take care of that, and I had nothing to do but goof off. And Israel was really cool. Really liked it. Yeah. A little too hot. A little too hot.
2: Yeah.
1: And then uh, we spent a bunch of time in France as well, which was wonderful.
2: Whenever you were in Israel, I mean, you actually did a little bit of work there, right? You even checked out one of our one of our insured tech oh, yes. friends there, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I saw Voom. I, saw I went to uh, the center of technology, uh, the technology business in Tel Aviv, which is this booming metropolis. Yeah. And on the twentieth floor of some tall building was Voom, and they had me in, and they gave me food and gave me coffee and
2: how great Yeah, how great you you sent me a picture from the windows overlooking uh, tel aviv i believe what yeah. it was uh-huh. this uh-huh. is it's just robust booming That's city cool. and really it's cool. and we have found out through 230 podcasts it is a insure tech hub it There's is a lot of insure techs there it,
1: it's an insure tech hub you know what else it's a hub for no in case you're wondering
2: scooters big big scooter city
1: i mean the biggest scooter city i've ever been in
2: like scooters, like Limes or scooters, well, scooters like, like
1: Limes and Bird and whatnot. Okay, yeah, electric scooters, thousands of them, and thousands of people riding them all at once. Like you would go to a, you know, a traffic signal and stop, and as you're waiting, you know, for the signal to change, there'd be like seven scooters <laughs> lined up waiting for just change. Waiting it. Waiting to just go. Crazy. They're not
2: like here where they're all piled in a corner because nobody, <laughs> nobody's riding them. Except no, because they're dinner. gross.
1: No, yeah. not I haven't there.
2: been on a scooter in a long time. There they are integral.
1: Yeah. We know we have a scooter story, which we won't share
2: today. We won't. But Rob, uh, we missed you, man. We missed you. We well, are glad you're back. And we're it's glad great that to be back. we're it's glad great. that you're back to the world of InsureTech Tech and Podcast.
1: It's great to be back. You know what I'm doing right now? Well, yes, you're I'm tapping out words on my phone, on my oh. touch screen on my phone, using both of my thumbs. Yeah. Are you do you is this how you type with two thumbs? I do. I do. Sometimes with a thinker. You know how I first learned how to do that? I don't. Was on a BlackBerry and it was super cool. And BlackBerry was an amazing, innovative company that rose and fell all pretty quickly. And there was a guy that worked there yeah, named Paul Donald. And Paul Donald rode the wave at Research in Motion that made BlackBerry and came out of that and started a company co-founded, a company named EnCircle. Who
2: we just so happen to have on the podcast today.
1: Coincidence.
2: And isn't that a coincidence? And yes. Paul's going to come, maybe talk a little bit about BlackBerry, but he's going to talk a lot about EnCircle, how it got started, and the really fascinating things that this company is doing. It's a it's a tool, it's a platform, a technology that assists field inspections, field adjusters, contractors to give better accurate uh, information back to the desk, back to the client, and he's gonna talk all about it and how AI is used in it. It's a really, really neat product.
1: Our colleague, John Maiko, introduced us to Paul and they're doing a lot of great things. And I've been in some meetings lately where carriers are very excited about their product and using it. And so we thought, darn it, we gotta get them on. And um, the research in motion part was a little bonus. And so, as we head into ITC, let's talk to a God's honest InsurTech that has uh, made some waves and been around since before InsurTech was even a thing. So uh, without further ado, let's get to our interview with Paul Donald, co-founder and CEO at Encircle. Hey everybody, we are here with our guest of the week, coming to us from the North. Right Paul where are you here from?
0: Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. There you
1: go. Okay. Fantastic
2: international podcast. We
1: here at at FNO Insurtech scour the world. We do. We do. We, we scour the world and today our stop is in Ontario, Canada and we have Paul Donald with us. Paul is co-founder and CEO of Incircle. Welcome to FNO Insurtech.
0: Welcome Paul. Thank you very much, Bob and Lee. I appreciate you having me on.
1: It's it's great to have you here. Let's do a quick shout out. Tell us how it is that you ended up on our podcast. Uh,
0: we've been working with uh, John Michael and the team at Alacrity for probably a year and a half. We've been uh, servicing the restoration and the property claims industry, which includes adjusters for well, 11 years. And so John Michael and I, we've crossed our paths over the years and year and a half ago decided uh, let's see what we can do together to uh, fix some of the inefficiencies in the industry and not just uh, us but how do we bring some of the best technology companies together to create a holistic solution was really the vision and john had it john really showed a true interest in the industry and and how do we drive efficiency and really serve our our customers so your customers whether it's the carrier or the policy holder So, yeah, and it was a great opportunity to work together.
1: Well, thank you for saying such nice things about him, because now I'll be able to collect 20 bucks from him.
2: Uh, (laughs) Hey, big shout out to John stepping into a new role this month.
1: Yeah, John Maiko, our chief, he's our chief uh, strategy and innovation officer, um, has also taken on the presidency of our MRP. Yes. Um, Congratulations, John. Congratulations, John. Big deal. So let's start where we'd like to start by first kind of being clear about what we're talking about here. And we're talking about EnCircle. So why don't you start with giving us an introduction to that for many, many, many of the people on the podcast who don't know what EnCircle is. Tell us what it is and, and what you do there.
0: Sure. Uh, EnCircle is a software platform, both mobile and web, that is focused on field documentation. So you think about photos, videos, notes, documenting contents, floor plans, writing scopes, getting authorization forms signed, uh, generating 24-hour reports. This is all built into one platform. And the whole concept behind it, and we we started off with the policyholder to say, hey, can a policyholder create a home inventory that reads like a children's storybook? This is a person who's not getting paid to do it. Can we make it easy enough that anybody who wants to, they follow through on it? So that was the initial uh, assessment. And if a policyholder would do it, well, then we knew it'd be easy enough for an adjuster or a restoration contractor who was getting paid to do it, to use the platform and coming out of blackberry i knew if we go back to 2012 we knew where the camera was going and how the camera would be utilized in these smartphones mm-hmm. to create a much better documentation process so we're focused on field documentation
2: yeah so where did this idea come from i mean why 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 field documentation
0: it's been a Decades-long challenge leading up to, I wrote the business plan in 2009, but okay. uh, at BlackBerry, we had lots of interactions with the insurance industry. And a close friend of mine wrote policy management and claim software for the insurance industry. You can probably guess what his biggest challenge was, was getting accurate data into the system because a lot of it was transcribed to field notes that were on paper. Mm-hmm. And he kept saying, hey, with your background in mobile, can you help us fix this problem?
2: Wow.
1: I have to digress for a second and ask you about the camera because, you know, you bring up a great point, and that is what the camera has enabled mobile devices to become, I think is something that, I don't know, like myself as a non-technical person, I don't fully appreciate it. Tell us the story about how somebody said, you know what, we should stick a camera in this thing. You came from Research in Motion and were involved with BlackBerry, of course, the grandfather of all smartphones tell us a little bit about the camera and the phone and how that got together
0: well interesting enough um, at blackberry we were against the camera because we were all about security and a lot of our big customers were corporate organizations like insurance companies uh, government agencies legal entities they really didn't care about the camera until consumers uh, started leveraging our uh, phones And as soon as BlackBerry got into the consumer segment, there was huge demand for a camera. And that was the dichotomy that we struggled with because our corporate clients said, if you put a camera in that device, we won't use it. So this is 2006, 2005, 2006. Then, of course, you had Apple come out with the first device with a camera, and that changed the game. Mm -hmm. Um, But we knew where the chipsets around camera and visualization was going. And it was an exciting frontier. We just had to get over the security risks of it. Mm-hmm. So Which you're is, you're looking at 2006, 2007 that has been building since that that technology.
1: So what are the products that Encircle offers to to the marketplace? And 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 just to be clear, you work. For, your primary market has to do with restoration.
0: Uh, no, we also have adjusters. So it's anybody who's documenting a loss in the field and where that documentation has to be up, has to, the facts have to be upheld throughout the process. Meaning, if an adjuster or restoration contractor documents a job, does it stay intact from an integrity standpoint? Date stamps, geolocates, who captured the information, and does it tell a complete story in the end? I, I kind of align it to, if you were to hand in your taxes to an accountant, do you have real receipts or do you just have numbers written on a, a, a hand sketch and handing it in? And would your which one does your accountant want? Well, in property claims, you need real data that stands up to the scrutiny of an audit and uh, which could be a court of law. And so that's what we provide is utilizing and we're all about utilizing the phone because field workers, whether adjusters or restorers, are typically tactile oriented. They navigate their world through physical constructs. So filling out a form or filling out a spreadsheet in the field is a foreign concept. Just it feels wrong. Yeah. But when you document it visually, that feels that that's a tactile oriented uh, process.
2: And I think that's been a change. I mean, back in the day, we all used paper out there. But that was before anybody had their smartphone. And so now we all have the smartphone. So now we live on the smartphone. So why do we need to keep on using paper documents and paper forms?
0: That's a good question because we did a survey and yeah. 70% of adjusters and restorers still use paper in the field. Do they really? Yes.
2: Do they really?
0: It's, it is the hardest thing because it just works. And if, and of course you look at the aging population in this industry and I still have paper notes, but uh,
2: yeah, I'm I'm writing my paper notes right now. Look, (laughs) all of us are right now.
0: Yeah, but we have to get past that because when it's in a digital format, there's a whole bunch of things that we can do to drive efficiency that I'm sure we can elaborate on.
2: Yeah, talk about that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, we'd like to hear about that.
0: Sure. Well, now with the camera, when you're taking photos or capturing video, you've got ta- timestamps, you've got geolocates, you've got AI in the phone and the camera to help you know get really good pictures and, and segment out certain elements of the photo. Like it could be furniture, it could be damage. So where it's going is to automate the extraction of data and compartmentalize it so other systems can use it. Uh, And we're big believers in video because uh, you're probably aware that you can have multiple adjusters going out to a site or multiple restorers and separate them and have them come up with estimates. None of them are going to be exact. They're all going to be slightly different by the way they attach it, whether they're drying in place or whether they're uh, ripping uh, out uh, doing a two-foot flood cut they're all going to assess it slightly differently. So video allows that adjuster or restorer to actually describe what they're doing and inform everybody who's reviewing the file as to why it was done the way it was done. Because most of the times there's a the logical reason behind it. But you can't get that from photos and and just uh, cryptic notes. So can we do you know video with the notes and then and then you apply AI on, AI on top of that and you get some really good results.
2: And so you actually are using the video and is somebody talking? Is somebody talking during the video? And so if I need to review that file, I need to watch and, and listen to the video? Is that how that works?
0: That's right. And they're typically short videos, less than okay. two minutes, we say. And if it's a large loss, you might have multiple uh, videos that are all titled properly. Yeah. Uh, so you can go right to that segment. But what that allows us to do is you've heard of Chat GPT you, Using a form of uh, GPT-AI to extract those notes and automatically build a scope off of it. And you can do it highly accurately because of you've got the context in the video, both verbally and visually, and then you've also got the photos. See, AI in and of itself can't fix errors, but mm-hmm. when you have enough context for it to feed off of, you can start to drive high accuracy.
2: That's what you're doing? You're using the video and the notes in conjunction to get a better outcome from the AI?
0: That's that's absolutely where we're going.
2: That's fascinating.
0: Yeah, we just released our uh, floor plan tool, which will automatically generate a floor plan off of a basically using video to walk the perimeter of the uh, floors in and out of each room. Average house takes about four minutes to, uh, to scan. Okay. And, uh, probably within about 45 minutes, you got a full floor plan back. So yeah, you know, we're big believers in video.
1: One of the big announcements that you guys have made recently is of your work with Verisk working with, directly with Veris. I assume it's through the exact product. Why don't you, can you yes. share with us that we're probably in that neighborhood of talking about that kind of thing right now, correct?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the floor plan tool I was mentioning to you where you can do residential or commercial spaces, we output to a, a full floor plan with dimensioning details. We now can automatically generate a uh, an Xactimate sketch from it. So saving on average 45 minutes to an hour on each job. So the idea being, can we speed it up and then can we remove any biases as well? So it's all uh, computer generated.
1: What do you mean a bias, for example?
0: Uh, there might be uh, a human error, might be a bias where uh, a measurement was entered wrong or where there might be a reason to enlarge, to make the space larger than it might seem. I see. So <laughs> uh, th- this takes that away.
1: So I was in a meeting not even a month ago maybe, or so, with uh, one of the largest insurers in the country who are using your product and, or maybe testing, either testing or using one of the, they mm-hmm. have it in their hands and they also have several other products that do, uh, that provide similar types of outputs through their own unique approaches, but they couldn't stop talking about yours. You'll be glad to know in the positive I love to hear that. in the positive why because it's easy easy wins because it's all day easy long. what this particular carrier and i think many carriers would like is can i put something in the hand of my insured and get real good clean data back that i could adjust a claim with can i get that and the answer that was being provided to me was yes.
0: Yeah, we're big believers uh, in simple wins. This is a complex industry. Both of you have been, probably been on uh, claims, hundreds of claims probably. Quite a and, few. And uh, yeah, no two are the same. And then you add in the complexity of a policyholder that may be unglued, other challenges in the environment, smell, temperature, you name it, and see if you can focus on entering data on a small screen or even a big screen it becomes very difficult. So the way we look at everything is in the worst circumstances, can I still fully fulfill the job of documenting that I need to? And it's got to be fast and it's got to be mindless. So the way we designed the floor plan tool was I could be talking to the policyholder and they could be screaming in my ear and I could still complete the full scan without really having to focus on it. And then the way we divide up doing you know, our photos, our videos, even our moisture mapping is the easiest in the industry. And we will use that floor plan to actually uh, generate a, a calculation for how much equipment you need. But we're not doing any any magic here. This is an industry that's a first responder. They just need the fundamentals to just work every single time and for it to be fast. So yeah. if you look how we've implemented the workflows, it it works along the way that adjusters and restorers will assess a building and works within that flow instead of causing an unnatural act.
2: Where does it work the best? Does it work the best in the hands of an adjuster contractor or in the hands of
0: an insured? So it works well in the hands of the insured when they're guided as to what to do. But typically we want an adjuster on a small loss. Yes, a policyholder could do it, no problem. Okay. But anything larger where you're gonna need a restoration contractor or an adjuster out there anyways, Put them out in the field to document, so that they can describe the loss, so cause of loss, resulting damages, and the work that needs to be done. Th- those are things that a policyholder can't do, and are really critical if it goes into arbitration or there's a problem with the file.
2: I see.
1: I've always known you guys as relative to the restoration field. Talk about your involvement there and 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 why that's your reputation.
0: Uh, That that was probably the hardest problem to solve is to get restoration contractors to document consistently. It really was everything uh, from scribbled notes to digital workflows. And this was an industry that was jaded because they had been promised uh, magic technology for years and nothing really worked at the field level. I actually spent four months in the field. There was some contractors that uh, graciously allowed me to follow them on jobs and be a helper. I did burned out buildings. I did the nastiest of fires, uh, floods. They put me in the worst conditions to test our theories out. And we learned a lot from it. And it literally takes that to be able to understand the job that these individuals do when it's, and then put it on a catastrophic situation where you have high capacity events and it's 10 times worse. Because you're tired right. and you've got this big, huge backlog. Well, how can I make it so easy that we call it dance steps? It's so easy to do that it's just one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And, and it alleviates me having to actually think about how do I get this data into the system? I can now just focus on okay, what data do I need to capture? Because the uh, the flow inside of Encircle is so easy.
2: That's great. You yeah, something I was thinking about earlier is there's a lot of technology now. There's a lot of systems, and I, I'm thinking about adjusters and contractors, and we're asking them to use a lot of tools, or you know, or this, you know, maybe use this in the field, but then when you get back to the desk, you've got to use something else. How does how does Encircle help uh, eliminate or or streamline some of these technologies? Is it, is it through integrations like the very like the risk one you talked about?
0: Absolutely. In fact, we've been big proponents and that's why we were talking with John Maiko uh, is that this industry is so complex that there's no one size fits all. And so all of us who are primary technology providers to this industry need to have open APIs where we can integrate with one another, doing it securely. But we don't own your data. You're the customer, you own your data, you should be able to say how and what systems it moves through. And we just facilitate that. This old guarded system where I I wouldn't allow your data to move to where you need it to be, so you had to do double and triple entry, is an old way of thinking. And I'm happy to say that in the past two years, those barriers have started to come down. We have a long way to go, uh, but our integration with ExactWare is a clear example of it
1: yeah i mean it's been exciting to watch exact change i mean there's no better word for it i mean they were a closed system for a long time and i know that they're working very diligently mike is gone but but the but it continues under aaron that they're working very diligently to be an open platform to serve i i know that you're a you've spent a lot of time thinking about how fragmented the property claims industry is particularly from a technology standpoint can you talk about that for a few minutes and you said that in the last couple of years it's changing but are we there what what's the problem what's the solution
0: so the big thing is number one we've got to help those in the field capture complete data sets and that includes all your auth forms your photos the details of why you're doing what you're doing how did you assess it this way and then that data has to move seamlessly into the other systems, just like LACNET, the Xactimate and XactAnalysis, uh, CoreLogix platform. The more you have double and triple entry, the more you have data errors, and the more that, that double and triple entry, you lose your timestamps, your geolocates, all of the backup verifiable data that you're going to need when you start to apply generative AI to it. Generative AI doesn't just pull things out of thin air. It needs highly contextualized data, and then it can do something with it. Like the, the videos that we send to our AI engine to create the floor plan is very consistently generated every time. If it's not, you start to get something called drift, mm. which means it starts to drift away from the original plan of the algorithms, and you start to get you know bad results.
1: With, with, without yeah. asking too complex of a question, why does that happen?
0: Well, because number one, if you so if, if you have control of the data right from the source and you can verify it and it's done in a consistent way, uh, your algorithms can process it pretty consistently. But as soon as uh, the algorithm gives you an output that's wrong and nobody catches it, well, that becomes part of the model. And then it happens over and over and over and over again. So I'll give you a great example of that a restorer out in the field, forgot to document something on the job. He's two weeks later, the manager repair network says, hey, you need this piece of documentation. He's got no other ability but to make it up. Yeah. Now that piece of data is made up, goes through the process and creates a false positive that now starts to affect the, the algorithm. And, and that's a big challenge and, and your systems break down very, very quickly.
2: And so, to make this happen, you have to hire some pretty smart people. I, I'm guessing. I mean, I mean what does your what is your staff look like? How many how many folks work at Encircle and what kind of what kind of smart people are are, are, are you employing there?
0: Uh, great question. We're right around 100 people, oh, and wow. uh, probably 40% of the company is on the uh, software engineering side.
2: Okay. Any any data scientist? I mean, is that is that something you're hiring for?
0: We, we work with partners. So with data scientists, sense. it oftentimes is better to work with a third party mm-hmm. uh, because you can get faster uh, turnaround times. Uh, being able to hire and have these people on staff and have them work with the community of other data scientists because they feed off of each other uh, can be quite challenging. So we work with the third parties in Canada, believe it or not, is one of the leading AI uh, countries producing AI in the world. That's great. Yes, the University of Toronto and and Montreal are uh, big universities for AI.
2: I always find it's hard to come up with the questions that I wanna ask, right? So I have all this data. I think it's clean data. I put it in there correctly the way it should be, but I always have a hard time to say, what do I need to ask that moves me one step closer to a better cycle time uh, or a more accurate estimate or a better floor plan? And I I assume you have people who have to sit around and think of those questions.
0: Oh, yeah. In fact, what you've got to look at is what is the data that is being collected by the field workers? And so you need to understand what your data assets are. And you've heard the the concept that data is gold. It really is. If you've got highly accurate data with all of the backup integrity points, then you can start doing these really creative things with it that save time. So if you think about creating a video with the description of the cause of loss, the resulting damages and the work that needs to be done, and you start applying some AI to photos with the video and then the using large language models to extract the details out of the voiceover, you can start putting the whole uh, scope picture together. So can you create a 100% scope right out of the gate? No, that's still years away. Yeah. But you can get there about 80%. And then all you have to do is edit it. And you can track all of that throughout the process because you've got timestamps, geolocates, you know who captured the data, who edited the data. And now moving that into Exact and tools like Exact Expert, we can really streamline, uh, not only streamline the process, but you can start building a factor on data integrity. You can start giving scores on data integrity, which, oh, by yeah. the way, is important. Can I trust this data? Right. Can I save time?
1: What's the likelihood? that the report and the recommendations and whatnot that you're reading
0: are accurate, right? You got it. And Go so we, we heard a study that adjusters on average, if you've got all of the data on, a, on an average $14,000 loss, should take you about an hour to adjust it. Okay. But right now, adjusters are spending on average 10 to 11 hours. And most of that in back and forth conversations with either the mm-hmm. policyholder or the restorer because of lack of information that they can trust. So they, they have to try and build this story to be able to come up with a uh, settlement.
1: So is your vision to use AI to help kind of uh, compress the whole process down into
0: a quicker, shorter life cycle? It's number one, to tell a clear, trustworthy story, to put all constituents on the same page, number one. And then number two is to speed it up. But we're not gonna get to speed until we've got the accuracy where everybody trusts that these are the facts that we're all working with.
1: Great point. What good is it to go fast if you have people involved, parties involved who don't agree to begin with? So that's number one, is the restoration contractor, the adjuster, the insured all on the same page. That's right. So having a report that has high integrity, that everybody agrees this is, yes, this is the solution to
0: uh, this insurance problem. That's exactly it. And mm-hmm. how many times we have restorers and adjusters and even reviewers at uh, you know, Alacrity, you, you guys mm-hmm. are a great organization, but there's always these frictions between you know the reviewer saying, hey, you're missing this piece of data. I can't push this through to the adjuster until you give me this. We've just got to stop that back and forth whack-a-mole game and let's just make sure we've got all of the details captured from first notice of loss all the way through to claim closed and that everybody can see it and not only see the data but trust the data
2: you know i'm sitting here thinking this is a great tool for catastrophes whenever you have to increase the adjuster workforce or the contractor workforce whenever whenever you need more people to come into a storm site, or people who are who have been focusing on on wind hell, and now we need to switch to to ice and, and ice dams and and water backups or something like that. It's a tool that kind of can level the playing field that allows an adjuster or a contractor to come in and do a great job because they're kind of following a script, right? They're they're doing what the what the application tells them to do. Is that is that one of the selling points?
0: That's exactly it. In fact, our customer base grows substantially. Right after a high capacity event, because they start seeing what contractors who have been using and adjusters who are using in circle can do versus those that don't. Mm -hmm. And like so many pain points are reduced when you've got a complete file, when you've got all of the information. It's a whole different discussion throughout the claim cycle. So
1: you don't have to find the guy who did the estimate to ask him a question. That's right.
0: That's it. Uh-huh. It's all there in front of you, and restores. Here's here's the nice thing: the way we built it, because it sort of guides you through the documentation process. You think about a high capacity event. Oftentimes, you have to throw some lesser skilled individuals to do typical jobs that are higher, qual- you know, need higher qualified people. Right. But through the documentation process, you can do remote coaching with them to help them through it.
2: See, I mean, that's a great thing too, right? You use it as a education platform, also.
0: Absolutely. That's a big part of uh, how contractors and adjusters use that.
2: So whenever I hear the word video, I think about large amounts of data versus photos. Photos are typically smaller, but videos can grow very large, very fast. Who's storing these videos and and where are they stored? I mean, it's a lot of, they're very big files, I would assume. Am I right?
0: Yeah, Um, I mean, we use compression to bring those file uh, sizes down, but... Typically, like I said, we try and keep them below uh, two minutes. So you're going to be documenting the job using photos, videos, notes. But the video is just a summary of cause of loss, resulting damages. It's not going to be hours or you know tens mm-hmm. of minutes. You're, usually, you're looking at two minutes, and on a large loss, you're maybe on the initial inspection, uh, 15 minutes of segmented you know eight, seven or eight videos. So that's not really too bad over 5G networks. And all of this data is stored in uh, Microsoft Azure cloud. Okay. And yes, we have terabytes and terabytes of, uh, of data. We've, I think we average a million photos uh, a week or some, some ridiculous amount of uh, how many photos.
2: That's a large yeah. amount. And so just by using that knowledge right there, I mean, you're out there doing this for people all day, every day. Is that right? This this is a live product that you're, you're actively out there using.
0: We are the leading platform in Canada, US, UK, and Australia for field wow. documentation.
2: There you go. I didn't know about the Australia. I missed that in my readings.
1: Congratulations. That's you know, wonderful. Th- You brought something up earlier that I want to hit on because I think it's an important point for anybody who's involved in property claims or claims that you have to see right? Because there's many different kinds of insurance claims. Some pictures are of no use, but in property, that's what we're talking about here. It's a big deal. And that you went out for several months and went to losses. I too, I'm not, I'm a sales and marketer person. I haven't been an, an adjuster. I haven't done field work. And I took a week several years ago and did trips with adjusters to locations and saw losses. Boy, was that valuable. Is that what you found?
0: When you put yourselves in their shoes, you understand that. So when you're building software for an individual too often, you think all they're thinking about at that point is working with your piece of software. But when you're on a job site, it is chaotic and you think smell doesn't matter. You go to a protein fire, and I'm going to tell you, I don't care how much dicks you put under your nose, Absolutely. it's not going to be a pleasant experience.
2: Absolutely.
0: And so these, all these things impact your ability to focus and concentrate. And so the idea was, can we visually capture this information through photos? Can we capture a video that describes what I'm seeing and feeling so that whoever's reviewing it later can have a sense of what I've gone through? And think about this. It's easy to play armchair quarterback, right? Well, why did you make the decision you just made? I wouldn't have made that decision. But when you actually get to experience what it was like, if you put yourself there with the smells, the experience, you know, in Canada, the cold weather, it's damp, Mm. you'll understand that you were under the gun. You had to make a decision. You didn't have the ability to sit there and analyze photos and, and look at all of the losses in that neighborhood as compared to this one. You're focused on one particular loss that I've got to get the details on, get in and out of this and onto the next job. That's, that's a different world. Until you experience it, you can't build software for those individuals.
2: I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking this is, well, oh, I'll, I'll take a step back. Sometimes you watch you watch online, you know, Apple's coming out with this new headset, VR headset, and you're thinking, what, what's, a, what's a use case for that? When would I really use that? And this is a prime example of being able to put a VR headset on, but you don't have to, right? You see it right on the screen. But to walk through and visually see what the adjuster or the contractor's seeing. You're right about the protein fires. You can't explain in a photo the smell or the grime or the grit. Uh, I did fires for several years. And sometimes in a photo, you're thinking, oh, well, you know, there's no fire damage. But but you have to be able to explain that the fire department ripped open the roof and there's water everywhere. You just can't see it. But you have to see. And I thought, what a great use of VR uh, is is in in reviewing files. So that would be fascinating. You've got to have that on the roadmap. I'm sure that's a that's an extra cost there. That would be pretty cool.
0: So, so we're not going to use VR, but we're going to do something similar to it, where we're going to allow you to experience it. And so, you've got the voiceover of the adjuster, or the restorer. So, you've got a, some context yeah. that you can relate to as you're as you're looking at the details in the job.
1: And narration. Now, a narration.
0: Exactly, and so now you're. Again, you want to get them on the same page. Do the facts stand up? Can, can we ensure that the, this was captured on this site by qualified individuals? And if everything is yes, then why aren't we on the same page? And you're dealing with a much more narrow, narrower set of variables mm-hmm. than if all I've got is photos. And I'm going to make assumption based on the 30 jobs I've looked at right? and where this one should land versus the unique attributes of this particular job.
2: That's so great. I, I think it's a really really fascinating model i want to talk about competition for a minute
1: we talked about the camera there's many many companies who are working in different ways shapes and forms within the area that you are how how are you standing out i I, i'll get back to that meeting that i sat in with a major carrier their attitude was easiness right It was something that the one gentleman that was in the meeting said, you know, he could hand his phone to his wife and say, here, do this. And she did it. Right. And that was his kind of litmus test. What 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 are you doing competitively to stand out?
0: Well, I, I think ease of use is the biggest thing, but we also uh, integrate with uh, Matterport. So Matterport does uh, floor plans and 3D walkthroughs. And so whatever our clients' needs are, because sometimes you're on a very large commercial loss where you want those 3D walkthroughs. We focused on 80%, set, you know, a, a segment that we think is 80%, that they just want to get in get the floor plan done as quickly as possible, as accurately as possible, and build up this file. Versus there are unique uh, value propositions for Matterport and Ricoh Camera DocuSketch uses that. So we're open to working with all of those partners because we don't believe that we're, we, we'll serve everybody's needs. Again, like I say, there's no one size fits all, but ours is, off, is simplest, easy to use on floor plans that are up to 15,000, maybe 20,000 square feet and where you don't need a 3D walkthrough yeah. at this point.
1: Is the interest that you're getting in the marketplace today more uh, from the carrier side or from the restorer side? Or can uh, you we've tell got them? a lot.
0: Yeah, we've got a lot of excitement from the restorer side just because of one of their biggest challenges is getting the floor plan and dimensions for, to get the estimate uploaded. And so they're taking seven days previously to do it, versus now all of that data is captured and within minutes their, their uh, estimator has the details and, uh, and instantly it's, they're writing the estimate in Xactimate. Helps the adjuster uh, get to a reserve a lot faster. But adjusters equally are, are finding, we had a bunch of uh, adjusters from an insurance carrier using our floor plan tool out on the east coast with uh, the hurricane and they were just blown away how fast uh, they were getting these floor plans done and able to reach uh, a, a settlement
1: so i have to ask you before we go about research in motion we were talking offline before we started today about the movie that came out and you found it uh, less than accurate
0: <laughs> not a history. stitch
1: of truth in it
2: not a stitch of truth
1: but no, no. but what what's the the movie aside The research in motion story is a fascinating one and probably helps you in running your company, I would think. The experiences, the successes, but also probably even more importantly, the missed opportunities and the failures. Is that the
0: case? Absolutely. It was the greatest learning experience of my career, hands down. It was great Uh, initially. So think about the early days. We had to go out and build the market. You realize that the wireless operators didn't really have an interest in BlackBerry until we went out directly to the market and on uh, Wall Street, it became known as Crackberry. All the Wall Street <laughs> traders were heads down typing on their BlackBerry. And uh, who did the wireless operators care about? They cared about the big investment banks. So we built this market that then it, they wanted to come in on and eventually we sold through the wireless operators. but. It was two years of just an incredible time building that market and pushing mobile technology, mobile computing to an all new level. And when it took off, it was you were just holding the, the tail of the tiger while it just ran. And it ran fast. It ran fast. Fastest growing company in the world.
1: Yeah. What did you say the dollars were from, from what to what in like 10 years?
0: 1998 was about 10 million in revenue, and uh, 2009, 2010, it was about 20 billion. Wow,
1: in- incredible. incredible! What a story! What so, a story! Yeah. My last question for you is all that's fascinating, and you, you shared with us some of the things that you did at the company. How do you get from there to here? I mean, there's <laughs> I,
0: I ask myself that every day. No, <laughs> <laughs> I love solving tough problems. And when I looked at this, this was a very tough problem because this is an industry that's just resistant to change, but so badly needed change and so badly needed to use the benefits of mobile technology and where the camera was going and AI. And it just had so much applicability to an industry that serves our needs during uh, you know catastrophic events and just normal bad things that happen. Uh, we, we've got to be able to recover in our local communities so that we can keep our uh, economy running.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what conferences will we see you at? Over That's what I
2: was about to ask. Six months. ITC.
0: We'll see you at ITC. Absolutely, okay. we'll, we'll be there. Uh, okay. So we'll uh, and then we'll be at the uh, restoration shows, so Core Logic and uh, Verisk as well. Good. In the new year, if you guys are up for some uh, skiing in Utah, join us for a few days on the slopes.
1: No, that would be fun. Where anytime somebody wants to throw us something for free, <laughs> that's pretty much where we're in.
0: The yes, invite Joe. is there. If you're going to be at the Veris conference uh, a couple days before, if you're going in early, let's do a, a, a day or two of skiing.
1: Let's w- do w- it. What about ITC? That's you got, You're having a party at ITC?
0: Uh, we're not having a party. We're, we don't have a booth. We're just showing up okay. for uh, meetings down there Good. at yeah. ITC. It's a great meeting uh, but, conference. Oh, how's
1: the yeah, how's the conference shaping up for you guys this year? ITC in particular?
0: Yes. Yeah, we've got lots of really solid meetings uh, lined up for that. Uh, the, working with what we've achieved with Verisk has caught the eye of the industry. And this is an industry where you don't want to bring something too early to the table mm-hmm. because it just falls flat. And you, right. you can burn through a lot of resources. We're now ready to have those discussions. And with our recent launch with Veris, uh, those discussions are happening both at ITC and as well at the Veris conference.
1: Yeah, that's very insightful. We've seen it time and again, good ideas just don't have a home often in our industry. And uh, it's not for lack of inspiration of uh, people being able to take the idea into their org is mm-hmm. complicated.
0: Yeah, and the technology when they do just has to work. If it doesn't, right. it's so tough to change your processes within a, an insurance company or for or even a restoration contractor, because there's so many interdependencies. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like giving the ambulance, uh, you know, new technology here, go test this out. Well, they don't know what kind of, of emergencies they're gonna be responding to. Right. Um, does this thing work? Does it not work? I, I can't take a chance. I don't have the, the the affordability of time. I've just got to be able to execute. And so that's the big thing. When you bring technology into this industry, it better just be bulletproof.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, if you're going to ask an insurer to change their workflow, it better work. So uh, <laughs> yes. Better right. work. Right. Well, listen, we're thrilled to finally have you on. And we'll look forward to seeing you in Las Vegas and other places. And uh, very impressive. Thanks for being with us.
2: Thanks for being on, Thank on Paul. Thank you very much. And
0: I've got some great BlackBerry stories for Vegas over uh, over a couple of beers. <laughs>
1: Can't wait. I, I know where we can get a beer in Las Vegas. All right. See you then. Thank you.
0: All right. Take care, guys.
1: So, yeah, before we started today, Paul was telling us about working at Research in Motion and he was like employees like 35 or something like that, right? Yes,
2: a very low number.
1: Very, very low number. So he was there for really for the most, for the high times.
2: For the wild ride.
1: For the wild ride. It was, it was a wild ride, but not, not because of anybody's, you know, there weren't bad guys involved or anything like that. They just, it it was, it was just so far ahead of its time. They couldn't keep up.
2: Couldn't keep up. I mean, I couldn't imagine. I mean, just the, every day it was, it was doubling. I would imagine the need, the desire, all the things, like everything, just kept growing and growing and growing. Yeah. I bet they couldn't and hire people fast enough. I bet the stories and, he has. Yeah,
1: and essentially they were it. I mean, today if you don't want one phone, you can get another. But yeah, um, that this was before those times. And, yeah, uh, um, you could get a flip phone, and that was really cool.
2: Oh, I remember the flip phone. See, that's what I had. I never had the BlackBerry. I came in kind of after the BlackBerry. I I had a I had a Motorola razor uh-huh. and it, it was great. It was great. It was it was blue.
1: Uh I had a StarTac, I think.
2: I don't even know what that is.
1: (laughs) It was a Motorola
2: phone. See, Motorola. They were great. I don't know many people with a Motorola right now.
1: Well, it was great to have Paul with us today and great to have all of you with us today. And thanks to our engineering team for everything that they do. And we're entering Q4 here at FNO and o InsureTech, which means an exciting time. Lots of big things, ITC around the corner, yeah, and we'll be there.
2: We will be. I'm actually trying to get a hotel room right now because I'm late to the game. and
1: I have a, re- a recommendation for you when we go offline.
2: Okay, because I already tried that, and I still can't get it. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So I'll be down the block at the New York, New York. Cool. All right. Well, listen,
1: thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.
2: Goodbye, everybody.